that was taking place at a, at a rather large church. It had one of those big sanctuaries. And in this particular sanctuary, it had seating like behind where the pastor would preach. And so they had a pastor's choir put together that was sitting back there. And so the guy that was asked to do the sermon for this pastor's convention uh, was allotted 20 minutes in the service to give his sermon. And so he gets up, you know, the people in the back, the pastors back there were, you know, encouraging him by giving the occasional amen. But he went past 20 minutes. He went on for 30 minutes, still didn't stop, went on for 40 minutes, still was preaching, went on for 50 minutes, still no end in sight. He had gone on for an hour and 10 minutes when somebody, another pastor that was sitting in the the front row of this church took a hymnal and threw it at the preacher. The preacher saw it coming, ducked, and went back and hit one of the pastors in the choir. And as the pastor got hit in the head with this, you know, rather large hymnal, their hard cover, that would hurt, he was falling to the ground, and as he was falling to the ground, you could hear him say, hit me again, I can still hear him preaching. <laughs> you know, there's a, there's a lot of jokes about the length of sermons. I don't know if you've ever noticed that before. If, you're, if you look into church humor or church jokes, there's always jokes about the length of the pastor's sermon. And so today we are going to take a look at a sermon. Can you guess how long it was? Yeah, if you have the sermon notes, it was two minutes and 37 seconds. This was Peter's sermon, first sermon that he gave. So remember last week we celebrated Pentecost, the day the Holy Spirit came. Jesus promised he would come, he came. And then Peter gives a sermon to all the people there. Remember, he starts out his sermon with, these people aren't drunk because they're speaking in tongues. People thought that they had been drinking too much. That wasn't it. And he goes on. He starts by quoting the prophet Joel, who prophesied that that very day was going to happen, this day of Pentecost, where the Holy Spirit would come. And now this morning, we're going to take a look at the second half of this sermon. Now remember, this sermon is two minutes and 37 seconds long. I know that because I read through it a few times and timed myself. And that's what it came out as, two minutes and 37 seconds. Seconds. So one thing that I learned at the seminary when I took classes on how to do sermons was no matter what you're preaching on, Jesus should always be the focal point, should always come back to what Jesus did for us. And in these two minutes and 37 seconds, we can see that Peter did exactly that. So let's take a look at the rest of his sermon. I'm in Acts chapter 2. I'm going to start with reading the first couple verses. I got them on the screen. Men of Israel, hear these words. Jesus of Nazareth, a man attested to you by God with mighty works and wonders and signs that God did through him in your midst, as you yourselves know. This Jesus delivered up according to the definite plan and foreknowledge of God, 
you crucified and killed by the hands of lawless men. So the first thing that Peter is making clear to the people here, remember, all these people are in Jerusalem because it's the day of weeks, which is also known as Pentecost. Remember, nothing's changed in the Bible. Everything has been the same plan. These feasts that God had them celebrating from day one are still being celebrated, and that's why all these Jews from all around, all these other countries are in Jerusalem right now. So this is who Peter's preaching to. All these people that have come back to Jerusalem for this festival. And the one thing he wants to make clear to them is that Jesus is the Messiah of the Old Testament and the New Testament. So they all knew the Old Testament. The Old Testament talks about this Savior that's going to come and save the children of Israel. That's going to come and establish a new kingdom. Now they may have been confused about this thinking that this Messiah was going to come and establish this earthly kingdom. But Jesus is the Messiah that the Old Testament is talking about. The Son of God was going to come. You see, Jesus is also nothing new. The Son of God has been here since the beginning of time, even though to God time means nothing. But Jesus has always been there. He wasn't known as Jesus. He was the Son of God. It's not like he just shows up on the scene at that first Christmas. That's when he took on flesh. He became one of us so that he could go to that cross and die. And so this is what Peter wants them to understand is that this Messiah that the Old Testament is talking about is Jesus. And Jesus has fulfilled all of those prophecies that the Old Testament has been talking about. There's another interesting phrase in these first two verses that I read where Peter says, the definite plan and foreknowledge of God. And this just goes to what we've been talking about for a while with the Bible being one single book, one narrative, one single narrative. God knew this plan from the beginning that he was going to send his son to save us. That's why everything in the Old Testament was fulfilled by Jesus in the New Testament. Jesus came to save all people, not just the children of Israel. He came for everybody. And this was the plan from the very beginning. And like I said, God has not changed his game plan. It's always been about the high price of paying for sin. It's always taken a life, and it's always had to be blood, shed. Which is why Jesus went through that horrible death on our behalf. So let's go on here in this, this sermon. With, starting with verse 24 here. God raised him up, loosing the pangs of death because it was not possible for him to be held by it. For David says concerning him, here's Peter quoting the Old Testament again. I saw the Lord always before me, for he is at my right hand that I may not be shaken. Therefore my heart was glad and my tongue rejoiced. My flesh also will dwell in hope, for you will not abandon my soul to Hades or let your Holy One see corruption. 
You have made known to me the paths of life. You will make me full of gladness with your presence. Brothers, I may say to you with confidence about the patriarch David, that he both died and was buried, and his tomb is with us to this day. Being therefore a prophet and knowing that God had sworn with an oath to him that he would set one of his descendants on his throne, he foresaw and spoke about the resurrection of the Christ, that he was not abandoned to Hades, nor did his flesh see corruption. This Jesus God raised up, and of that we are all witnesses. Here, Peter is talking about Jesus as the resurrected Christ. And so how does Peter explain this to, these, to the, all these people there? He goes to something they know. See, they don't really fully understand Jesus yet. They don't understand what Jesus did. The disciples are just now getting it because of the Holy Spirit. But all these other people don't quite get it yet. But they do understand David. They know all about David, so that's where Peter goes. He talks about David. And in this quote, David is prophesying. If you notice, he said, You will not abandon my soul to Hades or let your Holy One see corruption. This is a prophecy about Jesus. Remember, after he died, we just said it in the Apostles' Creed, he descended into hell. But he was not abandoned there. He was just simply going there to declare victory. He was doing his touchdown dance in front of Satan and all his minions. You know what? You guys are done. I've defeated sin, death, and the devil. And that's what David's prophesying. He's explaining to them, David, the one that they all idolize as the greatest king of Israel, is prophesying about Jesus. Let's go on here and read these last few verses. Being therefore exalted at the right hand of God, and having received from the Father the promise of the Holy Spirit, he has poured out this, that you yourselves are seeing and hearing. For David did not ascend into the heavens, but David himself says, the Lord said to my Lord, sit at my right hand until I make your enemies your footstool. Let all the house of Israel therefore know for certain that God has made him both Lord and Christ, this Jesus whom you crucified. And so what's Peter focusing on here? He is pointing out to them that Jesus is this Messiah, this Savior, this resurrected Christ, who is now the exalted Lord, who is always with you and me and everybody. Jesus is the exalted Lord who is reigning on the throne already. And so as you notice, Peter quoted David again. And David, in this psalm, is addressing one of his descendants who he's never met as Lord. How is he able to do this? Because of the Holy Spirit. But he is prophesying, talking about one of his descendants as being his Lord. See, he was called Lord because he was a king of Israel. 
but he realized that there was one greater coming. So these last few verses here, 37 through 41, I'm not going to read them all to you, but one thing I noticed about Peter's sermon, so I had to take three different classes at the seminary to learn how to, to give a sermon. You know, all the things, and, and as I said before, the main point and focal point of every sermon needs to be Jesus Christ crucified. And if you ever hear me, by the way, give a sermon that doesn't do that, you may yell at me. From out there. <laughs> Just so you know. But it's always supposed to be about that. because, And this is what the gospel is all about. This is what Pentecost was all about. This is how the spreading of the gospel began here. Peter's first sermon, all these people from all these other countries are going to go back to their countries because they've heard the gospel in their own language and they're going to start spreading it. These apostles are going to start spreading the gospel and something that started as a spark on top of all their heads is going to turn into a huge wildfire, which is amazing. People want to hear about this guy. And this is what our faith as Christians is all about. Jesus died on the cross for us. Because of that, and only because of that, we are saved. But there was another thing that we needed, we learned that we were supposed to do in our sermons. Because if I just preach the gospel to you all the time, you might get to feel pretty good about yourself, right? We don't want that. <laughs> Can't feel good about yourself all the time. So we talked about law. You know, the sermon should have a good balance of law and gospel. And the law is not a bad thing. It's a good thing that God gave us to help us, to guide us. And it's to show us our sin. And that's why I said every time I see Jesus hanging on a cross, I'm reminded I took a part in that because of my sin. And so there's an interesting thing that happens here after uh, Peter does this sermon. He's, the people... Uh, Another thing you're not supposed to do in your sermon is stumble over your words like I just did. <laughs> but it says here in verse 37 that when they heard this sermon from Peter, they were cut to the heart. Cut to the heart. And why is that? It's because they realized that they were part of why the Son of God, Jesus, came and died on the cross. And a lot of times when we see the law, we also are cut to the heart. I have an easy way to remember the law, the law and the gospel, and it's with the letters SOS. And I have a picture, I believe, here. Remember SOS. So the law shows us our sin. The gospel shows us our Savior. And so let me ask you all something. Have you ever felt so horrible about something you did that you just felt like couldn't be forgiven? That what you had done was just that horrible? Has anybody ever felt that way? Have you ever felt so beaten down by either your sin or the sin that we see in our world? That you just feel like there's no hope? Nothing? 
I know I have. I can answer yes to both of those questions. But you know what? This is the beauty and the sweetness of the gospel. When we get to those points, when we realize that our sin is just so bad and that there's nothing we can do to take care of the sin disease that we all share. We can't do it on our own. Again, we are reminded of the sweet, beautiful gospel of what Jesus did for us by climbing on that cross, being nailed to that cross to die for us. So back to this two minutes and 37 seconds. You may be wondering, Scott's talking about a sermon that was two minutes and 37 seconds, and he's been going now for 17 minutes. Later on in the end of this uh, passage here in verse 41, it said 3,000 souls were saved. Peter's two-minute and 37-second sermon, the Holy Spirit used to convert 3,000 people. Pretty amazing, right? This just goes to show it's all about the Holy Spirit and Him working through the Word. And we all have that Holy Spirit. And we have the Savior who died for us because He loved us that much. And it's in His name Amen.